0: Bug Jargal by Victor Hugo. Chapter 2. This episode had quickly excited the attention and the curiosity of the joyous spectators. Captain Leopold d'Auverny was one of those men who, in whatever position the chances of nature and society may place them, always inspire a certain respect mingled with interest. At the first glimpse there was nothing striking in him. His manner was cold, and his look indifferent. The tropical sun, browning his face, had not imparted to him that vivacity of speech and gesture which amongst the Creoles is united to a carelessness often full of grace. Dauverny spoke little, listened rarely, but showed himself ready to act. Always the first in the saddle and the last under the tent— he seemed to seek a refuge from his thoughts in bodily fatigue. These thoughts, which had marked his brow with many a premature wrinkle, were not those that you can get rid of by confiding them, nor could they be discussed in idle conversation. Leopold d'Auverny, whose body the hardships of war could not subdue, seemed to experience a sense of insurmountable fatigue in what is termed the conflict of the feelings. He avoided argument as much as he sought warfare. If at any time he allowed himself to be drawn into a discussion, he would utter a few words full of common sense and reason, and then, at the moment of triumph over his antagonist, he would stop short, and muttering, "'What good is it?' would saunter off to the commanding officer to glean what information he could regarding the hour of the charge or of the assault." His comrades forgave his cold, reserved, and silent habits, because upon every occasion they had found him kind, gentle, and benevolent. He had saved many a life at the risk of his own, and they well knew that though his mouth was rarely opened, yet his purse was never closed. They liked him in the army, pardoned him, and in a certain way respected him. However, he was young— Many would have guessed him at thirty years of age, but he was some years under it. Although he had for a long period fought in the ranks of the Republican Army, they were in ignorance of his former life. The only one to whom, with rask, he seemed ever to open his heart was Sergeant Thaddeus, who had joined the regiment with him, and would at times speak vaguely of sad events in his early life. They knew that Dauverny had undergone great misfortunes in America— that he had been married in Santo Domingo, and that his wife and all his family had perished in those terrible massacres which had marked the revolution in that magnificent colony. At the time of which we write, misfortunes of this kind were so general that anyone could sympathize with and feel pity for such sufferers. They pitied Captain Doverny less for his misfortunes than for the manner of his sufferings. That is to say, Beneath his icy mask of indifference, one could see the traces of the incurably wounded spirit. From the moment the battle commenced, his face became serene, and in the fight he behaved as if he sought for the rank of general, and as modest after the victory as if he was only a private soldier. His comrades, seeing him thus despise honor and promotion, could not understand what it was that lighted up his countenance with a ray of hope when the action commenced. And they did not for a moment divine that the prize Doverny was striving to gain was simply death. The representatives of the people, in one of their missions of the army, had appointed him one day a chief of brigade on the field of battle. But he had declined the honor upon learning that it would remove him from his old comrade, Sergeant Thaddeus. Some days afterwards he offered to conduct a dangerous expedition, and returned, against general expectation and his own hope. They heard him regret the rank that he had refused. For, said he, since the enemy's guns always spare me, perhaps the guillotine, whichever strikes down those it has raised, would in time have wished for me.